WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 822, you're tuned in to the Action Line on WGNS Radio. And after this program, we'll head over to Adam's Place. And uh, WGNS's Bart Walker will be out there live this morning. Uh, Truman is off today. And so that all comes your way at around 9 o'clock, 9.05, right after the news and after this program, the Action Line. And this morning in studio, we have guests from the Murfreesboro Police Department. And with us this morning, we have Murfreesboro Police Chief Michael Bowen. We also have Captain Don Fanning with us this morning and Public Information Officer Larry Flowers. How are all y'all doing this morning? Great. Good morning. Good morning. Really well. It's uh, kind of cold out there, but not as cold as yesterday morning. Yesterday was kind of chilly. A little bit. Did y'all have just tons of fender benders and whatnot yesterday? I think with school being out, uh, things were pretty mild considering the circumstances. A lot of tree damage. I think there were some, maybe some utility issues, things like that. But uh, nothing overwhelming. Yeah, that was a heavy snow. I, I mean, yeah, maybe not depth-wise. I think some people measured seven inches. Some got six. Some got nine out in Milton even. Yeah. Uh, but the snow was heavy. I mean, it was, you know, real wet snow, and it really did break down a lot of tree limbs. Exactly, exactly. And I know that there was a lot of damage. I got several photos from friends where cars were damaged, things like that. So so at the start of a new year, this being 2022, what types of things are going on at the Murfreesboro Police Department? Is there a lot of planning underway, new programs starting? What what does take place at the start of a new year for a police department? I think uh, we started off with a staff meeting on Tuesday and kind of talked about our goals and the things that we wanted to try to accomplish this year. A lot of it is uh, just trying to improve on uh, previous goals. Uh, Recruiting, for example, you know, that's that's a constant, and we're constantly trying to look at a way to recruit and uh, hire and retain new officers, so that's pretty consistent. And uh, one of the things that I believe is the last show I was on, or the one right before that, uh, the question of body cams came up, and I thought that we would have some uh, uh, information to present for, for proposal uh, by the end of the year, early this year. Uh, so that's kind of slowed down a little bit, and the reason that slowed down is uh, we had another vendor uh, that we looked at, and we are actually doing a demo on body cams right now with uh, some of their products. So that's something that we're constantly working on, but we're just making sure that when we do make that final uh, recommendation that we're getting the best product out there and something that's usable for not only collecting the information but retrieving the information in storage. So. I, I know a lot of police departments around the country use body cameras. In fact, I was surprised to learn several years ago Lebanon police actually started using body cams and I know with their first go around with it 
they had a lot of problems with uh, the storage of the files and the retrieval of the files. I mean, they had a lot of issue, and I think they even switched to a different company after their first year of using them. Right. It's like any new technology. I think when uh, uh, the technology first came out, we were looking at spending a lot of money to have to purchase those. And now you look at a lot of the major vendors, their price point has come down so much, and they're taking care of stores, they're taking care of technology updates, they're taking care of a lot of the maintenance issues. So it's really, uh, uh, as we see with a lot of technology, that price point really comes down after it's been out on the market uh, for a while. So we're starting to see that now, and we're, we're it's made things real competitive and it's going to take a lot of the workload off of our staff uh, some of the things that we would have to uh, we would have been uh, tasked with doing like the storage all that's gone away now now the companies are providing that when you look at cameras like the gopro camera which has been around for years you know they've got different models of the gopro and some are better quality than than, than others but essentially the body camera is just a glorified GoPro, if you would, that uh, is able to take a few more knocks and hits, I'm sure. Um, but it is a high-quality video camera, and it's on the officer's uniform. It is. It is. And a lot of the things that you're able to do with cameras, like some vendors might uh, have a system set up to where if you have several units at a scene, uh, and all of them are recording instead of having to go in and say, oh, hey, were you there at that scene or were you participating at that scene? You can just draw a circle around that area and all the camera footage from that area will automatically load. So it's pretty impressive technology. Uh, so it's, uh, I don't, I'm not real familiar with the GoPro product. I'd say probably the actual footage is probably similar, but there's a lot of things like with the, the back office type stuff that, uh, that just uh, pretty amazing technology. And it's, uh, it's important for us to have that because you got to understand that everything that we have, you know, we have to make available to the DA's office. They have to be able to access that. We have to be able to redact a lot of things, uh, the footage that we release. So there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that's, that's important. And when you look at collecting all of those videos, that is, you know, audio and video files are big files anyway. But when you talk about saving thousands of video files every single year, and there's no telling how many thousands there would actually be each year, but thousands of video files equaling thousands of hours of footage, you're talking about a big file storage system. Right, right. One of the things I always laugh at is uh, when we were doing VHS, uh, when we were in that technology, the, the the thousands of tapes that we had on file at one time. I mean, it took up a room and. Uh, uh, but luckily, uh, things are getting to where uh, you can go through and just uh, just information that you don't need, you can go ahead and get rid of that and stuff that's evidence, things like that. You go ahead and mark that and keep it for uh, whatever time we have designated in our policy. So, Of course, there's Amazon cloud storage, there's Google cloud storage, and then a number of other vendors out there that offer storage of files in the cloud, if you would, uh, which I'm sure... The police department is going to have to do something like that because you're not going to have great big computer servers able to to keep all that stuff safely because you know you got the worry of well what if lightning strikes and it takes out all of our our file footage that may be needed to help solve a crime or may be needed in a court case and and most of that is provided by the vendor now most vendors will provide that for you so that's not a 
not something that we directly store on site. So, Is it going to get to a point where one day when somebody comes in to ask for a police report, they're also going to be asking for the video that was shot, you know, taken by the officer? Yeah. One thing to remember is we've had in-car cameras since like 1997. So recording isn't it's not new to us it's just a it's just a new dynamic that we're adding by getting uh going towards body cams and i don't know that the in-car camera goes away but uh requests for tapes things like that that's been a that's been a normal for 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 years you know in some countries uh, europe for example they are known for having tons of video cameras on just about every street corner i mean it's amazing the number of street cameras they have that are photographing or videoing the sidewalks, the alleys, and so forth, trying to, I guess, deter criminal activity because people see the cameras and they think, well, maybe I shouldn't break into this house right here. Uh, is that something we're ever going to see here in Murfreesboro where we're going to see video cameras, for example, on the downtown square? Well, I think you're seeing cameras up there right now with the mobile units. Uh, so we have... Uh recently purchased a couple of the uh, trailer towed cameras and we can move those around to special events areas where we're having specific problems and i tell you they do have an impact uh, uh i know we had them uh, uh, deployed in certain areas where we had to move them to another area and some of the residents were like hey why are you taking the cameras out so so there is some value to them i think that long term you have to look at uh how many cameras you want to have in an area. I think you can probably look at your crime stats and look at uh, certain things and say, hey, we probably would benefit by having cameras here. And that's something that we will be looking at. One of the biggest things that's frustrating for me is if we have a serious crime is our detectives having to uh, go door to door, knock at businesses and say, hey, do you have video footage? So it'd be nice to have some of that stuff accessible uh, through a system that, that runs through MPD. And uh, what, what you also struggle with a lot of times is some of these camera systems and businesses, things like that, are outdated. So it's, it's tough to retrieve information at times. We can get to it. it just, it's just time-consuming sometimes. You know, I, I see some of the video footage that is posted by the police department, uh, you know, from, let's say, a break-in at a retail store. And when you look at it, you know, the pictures are kind of fuzzy at times. And I, I got to ask myself, why wouldn't that business have some kind of updated camera system where the picture's more clear? Because there's so many cameras available that are so much cheaper than what they used to be. Right, right. And see, one of the most interesting thing is uh, in some parts of the country, you're starting to see where homeowners associations are partnering with police departments, and they're saying, "Hey, if you won't buy it, can we, can we buy this system and tap into your and, and let it feed to your uh, your command center or whatever you have in place?" So, uh, ring cameras that they're everywhere now. Uh, me and my kids were talking about that. Uh, in fact, one showed up as a Christmas gift, uh, and uh, but uh, they're everywhere, and it's amazing the footage and the quality of footage that you get from a small device like that so it's wild how many homeowners mm. these days do have multiple cameras at their house outside right. their house and, and you know just thinking back 15 years ago even right it, you wouldn't expect the average homeowner to have video cameras outside their house right uh maybe on you know the edge of the gutter or the front door i, I mean you name it uh but these days so many people have video yeah. cameras outside of their house and it does come in very handy it does it does uh, 
I think long term, those are things that you have to look at and uh, things that you have to consider. I know that uh, traffic cams are a norm across the country. Uh, a lot of times people see the traffic cams and think that we're recording those, and we're actually not. Those are actually uh, maintained uh, through a different uh, party, uh, either with the state or with the city. And those things are just uh, so that they can monitor traffic conditions. So I know sometimes we get requests about, hey, can we get footage from that camera where we had a wreck? And we're like, well, we actually don't. We don't actually have recorded footage from there. Does the Murfreesboro area, the city of Murfreesboro, do they even still have the red light cameras that we heard so much about in the past? Because I think I remember hearing not too long ago they did away with those. The uh, contract was up for renewal, and the uh, we did not propose a new contract. Uh, and I think a lot of the things we were looking at is maybe doing some more traditional types of enforcement. One of the big things is with a growing city is being able to move your enforcement to to uh, uh, kind of line up with the complaints that you're receiving. And it's just... Uh, it's just easier to be able to uh, receive a complaint, send cars out there uh, to a different intersection. Remember, we were limited to six intersections in a, in a 60 square mile city. And obviously, you know, there's more intersections that that need to be covered. You know, and I don't know how much of a deterrent it is these days for people, you know, running a red light to know that there's a camera there and they could receive a ticket in the mail. It just seems like cameras are so commonplace today that I think a lot of times people overlook them, including criminals when they're breaking into a house. They, they don't sometimes even think about it. Right, right. Uh, I think that you probably either through the private sector, you can pretty much assume you're being recorded at any given time, either through a residential camera, a business camera, uh, uh, something of that nature. Yeah. Again, this morning, we have guests on the air from the Murfreesboro Police Department and uh, another item that uh, has been talked about a lot. And, of course, the Murfreesboro City Council, I think two years ago, they put into motion a plan to increase pay for police officers to be more competitive with other cities. And now, of course, that's in place. Uh, Are you having a hard time finding and hiring new police officers? Yes, we are, and uh, the council has given us uh, tremendous support in uh, trying to uh, uh, attract and hire uh, new applicants. I think nationally, uh, I think just with uh, not just law enforcement, I think with just several jobs, you're finding that there's just a tough bill right now. I want to say in October 2020, we were about 39 behind. Now you got to remember, uh, with that 39, we were actually given new positions, so they weren't turnover positions. There were, there were, uh, uh, I want to say about 20 of those were additions to the budget because we still have to take growth into consideration and add those positions. I think. in our staff meeting Tuesday, we talked, and I think that if things go as expected, I think February will probably be under 20 vacancies, which is which you're naturally going to have about 10 to 15 vacancies of our agency, our side, just at any given time. So it it looks like we're making making ground on some of these hires. Uh, we still encourage people that, hey, if you want to be an officer, if you think that's something that you're interested in, uh, definitely talk to us. Uh, go to our website, uh, kind of see what's going on in MPD. And uh, we'd encourage anybody that thinks that they're interested to apply and uh, and uh, 
it, it's a great job. It's a, I've been blessed. I've been able to do it for over 30-something years now, and it's a great community, great place to work. So overall, how many police officers, detectives, uh, how many do we actually have on the Murfreesboro City Force? Okay, we're budgeted for 305. Okay. So uh, that includes detectives, everything like that. Okay, uh, total employees were over 400, and that includes support staff, so dispatchers, communication staff. Uh, I, th- I think uh, a lot of people forget that uh, the communication section for police and fire is located at at, at headquarters, and it's part of the. Uh, police department budget so there's about 40 employees that are just associated with the communication sections and what are some of the bigger crimes or i guess the more consistent crimes that occur day in and day out that that you see maybe not necessarily on the increase but you see the same pattern of crime taking place every day what would be one of the most common uh well Captain Man Singh, uh, auto burglary. We go back to one of the crimes that we were kind of talking about before the show is shoplifting. I mean, that's just a constant wherever you're. I mean, it's just it's out there. Uh, Shoplifting seems like it's just so prevalent everywhere. It is, and and here in Murfreesboro, uh, right before the holidays, of course, you always see an uptick in shoplifting before the holidays. And I don't know if it's uh, you know based on a percentage of those who are shoplifting to actually get gifts for their loved ones and then a percentage of those who are shoplifting to turn around and sell whatever it is they're stealing uh, just to make money for things like their drug habit or or who knows what. Yeah, and then uh, uh, car burglaries is always, and you know we get hit off and on. Uh, typically, when we get a rash of them, uh, it's pretty devastating as far as uh, the number of vehicles they will uh, hit it at one time. So, uh, one good thing is uh, in they come out at different times, but it's typically early spring, so we'll be expecting the uh, TBI crime in Tennessee report to be coming out here in the next couple months, and that'll kind of kind of show us where we're at compared to other cities. Uh, it, it'll it'll be a breakdown of uh, all the cities in Tennessee. So, that's- hey, have you noticed? You know, I remember back in the '90s here in Murfreesboro, car burglaries were occurring. You know, just all the time. It seemed like a constant issue of car burglaries. But it seems like, maybe percentage-wise, car burglaries, they're down compared to, like, let's say the 90s. And I don't know if that's because electronics are less expensive these days. They're harder to harder to sell. I don't know what it is. But is that the case, or am I just imagining things? I would have to look at the numbers and do a, a comparison, you know, based on the population of the city at that time and number of incidents and compare it to nowadays. So I, I wouldn't have an answer for that. I can tell you this, that there, there's times where uh, we know where school might be out, where we say, hey, watch your neighborhoods because uh, there's a, a tendency for things to go up around that time period as, uh, related to car burglaries. And, uh, you know, we always go back to the to the make sure your doors are locked because a lot of the times these are crimes opportunity. People are just shaking doorknobs or mm-hmm. or pulling door handles and just seeing if the car's unlocked. And if they are, they'll they'll uh, go through it. And if not, they'll move on to the next one. Hey, I know last year under the Tennessee General Assembly, one of the laws that changed was the right to be able to to go armed, to carry a handgun with you without having a permit like you've had to have in years past so with that change have you received calls of you know people who are 
out and about and they see somebody armed with a gun or they notice that somebody has a gun and it scares them more so today because because they know about the change in law i haven't and captain you might want to chime in on this i haven't typically if you see a trend or something serious that's happening uh regarding that we would hear from it but i haven't noticed really any change i don't know that it's no and i give credit to our our communication staff for that Um, early on in this we did a lot of training to uh for them to be prepared to answer those kinds of calls because uh, a lot of time it has to do with education. People don't know that the law has changed, and they see this, and it makes them nervous. And when they call communications, our, our staff there can tell them, hey, this is the new law, and this is what's legal. And if it's something that somebody's doing that's outside the law, then then obviously we send a police officer to investigate and do whatever that does. So it's a lot of it's been an education thing for the public, yeah. more so than them really being scared. They just don't know the difference, yeah. and we try to help them with that. And, uh, and even though it's gone to permitless carry, I'm not, I'm not so sure that there was a that the public at some point wasn't just used to seeing some people actually open carry. Yeah. So I, I don't know that it was anything really new uh, to some people. Now, yeah. with that change in the handgun carry issue, uh, do you have to have a handgun carry permit if you want to have it concealed, or is the law written so that you know, if you don't have a handgun carry permit, you can carry one, but it has to be, I guess, you know, on your person where people can see it. What What is what is the issue with all that? Well, if we're talking just generically, um, yeah, you don't have to have a permit at this point, uh, you know, if you're an adult over 21, whether it's openly carried or concealed carry. Uh, but there are a few places that uh, this is this is not just everywhere carry. There are a few places that you're still required to have a permit carry for example inside of a park mm-hmm. in tennessee you'd still have to go and get the enhanced carry permit and go through that process if you wanted to carry it in a park um, and of course you know businesses still have the right to say no uh, you know a, a private business can say we don't want you to carry your weapon in here any particular way because that that business owner has the right to do that but they're in the statute there's a lot of places that they can carry as a general rule if they're not prohibited by some signage or they're not in one of those restricted areas for example uh, if you come into a government building, it may be posted. It says no, no firearms uh, can be here. And so you have to honor that, even though we are what most people would consider a permitless carry state now. But there are differences, I guess, for those who actually have the permit to carry a handgun versus those who are just following the new state law. Yeah. I always encourage the permit, especially if you uh, – Want to cross state lines and go to a state that's not open carry? They might they might honor your permit that yeah. you that you have, and that's always a big plus. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to make that uh, trip across state lines to where a city uh, recognizes a Tennessee permit, that's always uh, something uh, good to have. So, yeah. And if uh, people have questions, they can always go to our website. I think that uh, our PIO uh, Larry Flowers has done a lot of work to put educational materials out there because sometimes people have questions. Most people want to follow the law; they don't want to get in trouble. And we don't want someone to put themselves in a bad position just because they weren't of law, aware of what the technicalities in the law are. And I'm, and I agree, with Chief Bowen. I think that uh, people going to get their permit, always having that training about how to safely carry and handle a firearm, and what's legal and what's not legal, is always a good idea for all of us, um, because safety is the most important thing that that we have when we're dealing with firearms, and we just want people to be safe with that thing. Again this morning, we're talking about the Murfreesboro Police Department, and our guests today include Chief Michael Bowen, Captain Don Fanning, and also Public Information Officer Larry Flowers. 
Time right now, 8.45. We do have to take a short break, but when we come back, Larry, can you kind of bring us up to date on some different cases right now that are under investigation and uh, uh, maybe even some cases that have ended with arrest? Uh, Again, time right now, 8.45. We'll take a short break, and then we will be right back. And if you have questions that you would like to text us this morning, We'd be more than happy to take a look at those texts and get those texts on the air. Just text us at 615-893-1450. Hi, this is Dan with Music World and Drummer's Den. I'm the guitar tech here. We're a pretty well-rounded music store. We have every guitar, keyboard, drum that you might be looking for. Parts are available, strings, accessories. We also have lessons, $25 for a half hour of keys, anything with strings and drums. It's all here, Music World and Drummer's Den. We're your hometown music store. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Marshall Sunshine develops here for this afternoon, high in the low 50s. West winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy skies develop below near 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 41. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. This is Jeff Graham with Tire World. I want to invite you to visit our new off-road department at our Memorial Boulevard location, featuring lift kits, leveling kits, light bars, as well as wheel and tire packages. Just come by and ask for Gator for all your off-road needs. That's Tire World on Memorial Boulevard. Good morning. Traffic still moving on 24 coming in from Coffee County through Rutherford County. Just lots of radar out here. Some of these back roads, I'm telling you, are still a little bit dangerous. So don't get too overconfident. It appears to be more uh, weather on the way in the next couple of days. Princess Hot Chicken now available for catering. Check them out at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. True American hero. Norm Elzir. We talked to a World War II veteran. What would be the closest moment to death? Was that being shot down that one time? Were you ever oh, captured or anything like no, that? No, we weren't captured. I landed in a tree and I was unconscious. I woke up, there were three rifles pointed at me. Strange uniforms. One guy says, Englishki, Amerikanski, Germanski. And I said, American. And he cut me down and hugged me. These were the Chetney people that took care of us. That was really something. There was a guy by the name of General Draza Mihalovich, general of the king's army, and the king was deposed by the Tito, the communists. But this general told his people, you take care of the Americans. He always did that. Tell us how you got rescued. A gentleman by the name of Vajonovich, he was in the OSS, which is the CIA today. They had put together this idea of coming in and getting us with airplanes. They come in with C-47s. Each C-47 had six P-51 escorts. And they come in, it was about one in the morning, and I was on the first plane out because I was sick at the time. That's what this book, The Forgotten 500, refers to. They actually flew out over time, 500, saved us. And all of our names, there were rescues in the back of that book. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. 
Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.50. You're tuned to WGNS, and uh, Chief Michael Bowen had to leave just a little while ago for a meeting. So with us right now, we do have Captain Don Fanning and Public Information Officer Larry Flowers also in studio with us today. And uh, Larry, just before that last break, I mentioned, you know, there are some outstanding cases that have not yet been solved. There's cases where arrests have not been made yet. Then there's also cases where you may have an update of an arrest that has since been made since last time you were on the air so kind of bring us up to date on what's going on yeah yeah for a whole list of uh pretty much the recent crimes you could um you know check out our website uh, murfreesboro10.gov forward slash police uh one of the bigger cases we had a bank robbery as you know off Cason lane at the first horizon bank back on december 13th and um police are still investigating that um, about 1.27 that afternoon, there was a, uh, a gentleman that parked his vehicle at a bank across the street, crossed over Cason Lane, and um, ended up robbing the uh, First Horizon Bank, uh, walked back across the street, got in his car, and left. Um, and that's right there in the Kroger parking lot, it basically, is. at Cason Lane and Old Fort Parkway. Definitely. So that's a busy, high-traffic area, and... You know, the first question I had, and I'm sure detectives had too, is with that being such a busy area, how did he get across that street so quickly, you know, in, in traffic? Uh, but, you know, that unknown uh, a man came into the bank. He was, of course, you know, pretty much concealed, you know, wearing black. Uh, he did have this unique Under Armour shirt that was green in color underneath. Um, a black face mask and he handed the teller money uh a, a note asking for money and he did get a undisclosed amount of money and then again walked across busy case of lane uh got back into his car and left so police are still you know searching for him and again do do we know what make and model of vehicle he was in uh he was in a newer model it was a dark gray honda accord uh did not have a tag on it at the time and again, he parked at the bank across the street. So that particular bank was helpful in giving us uh, surveillance uh, uh, video of that particular vehicle. So that's posted along with the uh, suspect. So if anyone you know has any information on that, they can reach out to uh, CID Detective uh, Julie uh, Cox. Uh, she can be reached at 629-201-5514. And, um, Another crime where we were able to make an arrest uh, right before the holidays, um, there was an unfortunate incident involving um, a man and his girlfriend, and um, they had gotten into some type of an argument on, uh, I think it was Teller Lane, Teller Boulevard, and uh, they had gotten into an argument around 3.40 that afternoon, that was on the day before Christmas, and um, the uh, the gentleman, he attempted to leave. The uh, female sat on the truck of his vehicle, and in the process of him leaving, 
and um, he sort of sped away, tossing her from that car. She hit her head on the pavement, suffered severe uh, head injuries, and you know was pronounced dead uh, a day or so later. So, um, you know, that's an unfortunate situation right before Christmas. You know, uh, for the, that family having to lose a loved one. So, but. Um, Police were able to make an arrest quickly, and uh, they interviewed him. And charges, of course, will be upgraded once uh, you know his case goes through the uh, criminal uh, justice system. Considering these are felony charges. So that address, uh, Tetter Lane, that area, isn't that over there around Tomahawk Trace, Haynes Drive, or is this a different area? Yeah, it's in that same general vicinity. So that's a heavy residential area, and that's an area where. As far as I know, police are not called to homes out there a whole lot. Right. So that was unusual. And I guess you can sort of consider this a domestic. Yes. And, um, you know, so that's probably the reason why. Uh, but, you know, a domestic situation that unfortunately took a turn for the worse. And, you know, a family is without a loved one. Another family, you know, um, loved one is in, in jail and will have to answer to this uh, crime. Uh, currently, um, you know, that suspect, um, uh, 22-year-old Andre Tate, he is uh, being housed at the Murfreesboro at the uh, Rutherford County uh, Adult Detention Center on a $50,000 bond, and he will be have to appear in court on February 24th uh, in Rutherford County General Sessions Court. So, um, again, unfortunate situation, but an arrest was made, and that was an isolated situation. And, um, you know, early, uh, we also put out, you know, a release back early January, early uh, December. Uh, I'm jumping ahead already with this 2022, <laughs> but back in uh, early December, um, you know, Rutherford County Grand Jury, a November section of the grand jury, you know, handed down indictments on two men and a woman, you know, for murder and other uh, fentanyl related charges uh, surrounding an. April 2021 death of a Murfreesboro man. And um, I think that sends a clear message, you know, to anyone who's out here considering, you know, selling, you know, um, uh, these drugs, especially drugs that's laced with fentanyl that, you know, if you sell this and it results in a death that you will be held accountable if you're captured. So with this fentanyl, and fentanyl is one of those drugs that's used in hospitals for surgeries for people who are in extreme pain cancer patients stuff like that i mean it's a very serious drug uh, but a very small amount of it can definitely kill you uh, but drug dealers are are they taking the fentanyl then mixing it with other drugs so that they can have i i guess come up with a bigger supply of drugs to turn around and sell on the streets what are they doing well if you if you look at uh just generally speaking for drug sales uh drug dealers uh, earn it for the money i mean at the end of the day that's what this is about is, is them getting money from people they're not worried about their customers uh well-being or their health um you know they care about the money and, and at the end of the day that's what it's about so the thing about fentanyl is because it is so much stronger um, they can mix just a little bit of uh, fentanyl in with let's just say they're they're selling heroin and the the people who have this addiction they're going to come back for that because they get a better high but it's a cheaper product for the drug dealers and our cartels to manufacture and bring in, uh, you know. And so for them, it's just a money-making thing. It's cheaper and it's easier for them to produce. 
and it gets them more money. And I tell people, you got to remember that the victims uh, of this, the people who are addicted, who, who come back and forth, they look at them as an ATM. They're just constantly getting their cash. They don't care about what it does to our community. Uh, they, they don't care about it hurts the people or hurts families. Uh, what they care about at the end of the day is that almighty dollar. When you look at drugs like meth, uh, heroin, cocaine, crack, when you look at those types of drugs, you know, most people could look at it and say, well, that looks like crack or that looks like meth. But then you have another level of drugs, which would be prescription drugs. Are there drug dealers out there who are making fake, uh, you know, pain pills and and using fentanyl to make them and then they look like real pain pills that your average joe's buying oh absolutely yeah you've got to think about uh i could go on say amazon today or any of the purchasing websites and i could order a pill press and i can make pills Uh, i can fill them with say 90 percent of filler and just a couple of grains of fentanyl and i can make it look just like say a xanax and people would buy that think they're getting a xanax but what they're really getting is fentanyl which you know, is hundreds of times stronger than what their their Xanax would have been. Yeah. And they have an immediate overdose. They think they're buying a prescription that came from a pharmacist, but really it came from somebody's backyard lab, and you have no idea what's in there. And that's where it gets even more scary because you do have some folks out there who, you know, they've got a drug addiction. It may be to painkillers because of a car accident they had years ago. But they... You know, their goal when they're buying drugs, their goal is not to sit there and, and get high and wasted all day. No. They they go back to work the next day. Yes. But you're yes. saying folks out there are making fake drugs, fake uh, hydrocodone, oxycodone, fake stuff like that. People are taking it and they die. Sure. Uh, that's a, again, we go, we go back. If you look at the motivation, uh, if your doctor prescribes you something because you're hurting, he's doing that because it's in your best interest and this is a specific drug with a specific dosage to get you what you need. These backyard chemists who make these things, they're not doing that. Uh, their, their job is to make a big batch of it and it's their best guess about how strong it's gonna be. Very scary. And so this time you buy it and it works just right great for you. Next time that you buy it, you're overdosed and you die. Yeah. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like playing Russian roulette you know, with your health. That's scary. We're already out of time. Uh, Time right now, 9 o'clock. You're tuned to WGNS Murfreesboro again with us this morning. And I know Chief Bowen had to leave early, but Captain Don Fanning and also with us, Public Information Officer Larry Flowers. We'll put this program in podcast form, put it on our website in just a little while. But thank you both for joining us. Thank you, sir. Thank you. News is next. After that, The Truman Show will be on the air, and WGNS's Bart Walker will be doing that show live this morning for Truman, who is off today, and that's going to be live at Adams Place. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals, because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.